I'm so excited to share with you my recent experiences dancing with horses, meditating with them at Liberty, and doing horse constellations with them while living right next door to them in a small box in the mountains in California. This was a five-night mentorship experience for horse constellations and being with horses with Sarah Fancy. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature, inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candace Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. Welcome back, everyone, or welcome for the first time if you're just joining in. It's really great to have you here and to connect with you. I'm thrilled to share this experience with you of being with the horses. I uh, had such an amazing experience, and it was pretty life-altering in terms of how I can connect with horses. I felt like there was a piece missing in terms of how I was learning to be with horses, and it is that spiritual piece of how do I really connect with them and be in collaboration with them. So before we jump into that, I do want to share that I have a couple of workshops coming up. There's still a little room for my Michigan workshop that's called Being in Your Beauty, and that's a family constellation, somatic experiencing, and self-forgiveness workshop. It's on June 15th, 2019. You can find that at candicewu.com slash beauty. And I also have another one coming up July 21st in Chicago at the Darshan Center, where I trained with Jim Kolakoski in advanced yoga and Ayurveda. And um, it's a wonderful space, beautiful space. And it's a family constellations workshop. So I invite you to join us if you're interested, intrigued, want to have your personal constellation set up. It's an amazing experience to do it with a group because there's just so much resource where others can represent the parts of your family system or the parts of the thing you want to look at. It doesn't have to relate to family. It can be career, love life, uh, your experience in nature, any issue that's going on with your life, body, um, challenges that you're experiencing, all of that can be set up in a constellation. And as we look at it, it unfolds as to what the underlying dynamics are. And it often has this overlay or imprint of something that's happened in the family ancestry with those that came before you. So when in a family system, we have experiences that are really hard hard to bear, devastating, even tragic. Those experiences, if not integrated fully, celebrated for the beauty and felt for the pain and whatever movements need to happen, whatever feeling needs to move through, if that isn't integrated, then it will, it will want to be seen later in the ancestry. So we inherit those experiences and it's so interesting because we don't know what's happened sometimes. And most of the time, those things are silenced or kept behind closed doors or not talked about. And that's the very reason that they start to build up a weight in the family system 
in the soul of the family system, and then they appear later in the um, generations that we are living in and in future generations as well. So we can heal the ancestry through us by looking at what is inherited by us. What is the dynamic that we are living out that may be a repeat or connected with something that was extremely painful in the past that we're reliving now? So you can find that workshop at candacewoo.com slash flow of love. The workshop is called Restore the Flow of Love. You can find all the workshops at candacewoo.com slash events. It's really touching to see that some people are reaching out to me from out of state and wanting to make the travel over to be in the workshop. It's, I think it's worth it if you're really interested and want to do that work and you feel drawn to it. So yeah, excited to have all of you that are joining me. So I spent the last five nights with Sarah Fancy at her ranch in Ranchita, California, and her seven horses. It was beautiful, and every night I saw the sun go down with these gorgeous colors and the layers of mountains in the background, and I slept in a small room that was, oh, I don't know, really bad with measuring square footage, but uh, my guess is it was like 12 by 24 feet inside. Pretty decent size actually for me. I loved it. And my window opened right to the horses where they were sleeping or rubbing their butt against the fence next to me. And there was this sweet cat Tinkerbell that slept outside and just purred all night, lullabying me to sleep. I took baths outside. There was a bathtub right set into the rocks and nature, the hills that were more in the back of her property, and just experienced such a simple life. It gave me the experience that I could do this. I could live in a tiny home. I could live in the mountains. I could be out here in nature with horses, and it feels like me. Have you ever had that kind of experience where you were in a place, you were in an experience, and something resonated so much in you that you felt like, whoa, this is me. This is bringing out something in me that I have forgotten. Well, that's what it felt like for me. And it felt like that on multiple levels. It wasn't just the lifestyle, the simplicity, the being in nature and the outdoors as my living room, but it was also in the way that I learned to communicate and connect with the horses. Sarah Fancy is a woman who has gone through so many iterations of her passions. She was a musician for a while. She also was a bodybuilder. And then she learned that she was in love with horses and began working with them in all sorts of healing capacities for the horses as well as people. She developed something called the Kind Rodeo, which is a rodeo experience that's not like one we know. So she was seeing rodeos around the world and just hating how they were abusing horses at times, hurting them or pressuring them to do things that they probably didn't want to be doing, but they were groomed and trained to be doing. 
She didn't like that it was such a toxic masculine and patriarchal energy of dominating horses and using them for humans' pleasure and entertainment. So she developed the kind rodeo to show people that we can connect with horses where they can be free and we can communicate with them mutually and we can dance with them and play, do, perhaps do theater. And so she put on these experiences where you could see and experience that for yourself. So this is nothing like anything I've experienced as I've been learning to ride or doing horsemanship, even even natural horsemanship and being with horses in Ireland. This is taking it to another level for me, which is exactly what I was looking for. I had felt in me this knowing that we can connect with horses in a really beautiful and collaborative way, but I just got all confused by the many messages that I was receiving and the teachings that I had received, which all were important and I think were an essential part of me getting to here and now. But today I want to share some of the wisdom that I've received and what I experienced while I was working with these horses and with Sarah. One of the biggest shifts in my approach with horses now is to invite them in to engage with me rather than pressuring them or demanding of them or dominating them and forcing them to do so. And so that showed up in ways of just being in their space with them and being in an openness to receive in myself, but feeling fully in my body and sometimes talking to them in my mind telepathically, like saying, you know, do you want to connect with me and listening? And sure enough, as I would do that, as I would be in the space with them, they had this larger arena with trees and rocks in it and flat land. When I was in that space with them, someone would come near me. One of the horses would come near me and my first connection with them was to find a way to touch them in a way that they liked. They love to be scratched or um, groomed if it's good touch, if it's loving, and if it's connected with what they desire. They really love having their backs or butts scratched because they can't reach those areas, and that's how they mutually groom and love each other. So... I found that with all of my yoga training and energy work and also somatic touch training and experience that I was really good at that. And it just loved watching each horse show me, yeah, that spot or give me a little poke with the head like, yeah, yeah, you got it. Or they would even um, nibble my back at the same time showing me that they liked it and they were in that mutual grooming space and other times where they would move away a little bit and I'd notice, oh, there's something about that touch they didn't like or that spot that they didn't like. And to listen to their body language, listen to the energy that they're showing me to inform my next move and to not push them farther than where they want to go in a way that doesn't feel good. So working with horses at liberty and in this way of not demanding or putting pressure on them, but giving them a space to enter freely 
it's amazing. They wanted to. And I know these horses were really uh, accustomed to that and also feeling safe enough to do that. It would take some time for some horses who are perhaps traumatized or who had been hurt to get to that place. But uh, it was so much fun. I noticed that when I asked for too much or when I felt like, oh, why aren't they coming over to me or I want them to, they would stay away from me because they can sense that energy and it's demanding too much of them. And it's unlikely they want to join me in that energy. They'll just show me the mirror of what I'm putting out there. But when I was in the space of being in my enjoyment, allowing freedom, and going with what was there without the pressure and demand on the world around me, the horses around me, then they really wanted to be near me. They like a leader like that. It really brought me to this parallel of how the world and the universe works. When we put this demand on the exterior world to give us something, to show us our worth, to give us validation, we ask too much of the world, and it doesn't really want to come into our space. It can, in fact, show us that exact fear that we have that underlies that pressure that we fear we aren't worthy or that we aren't enough unless this shows up. And then we see that happen and we start to believe it. But if we find the place of our openness, we find the place where we are worthy or build that in ourselves, do healing work to arrive into the space because we already are worthy, then the things that we desire will most likely come into the space. So it makes me think of other places I might be doing that, pressuring the outer world, and how can I feel into that really neutral space of inviting, being open to receive, being in my enjoyment, my worth, my presence. So are there places in your life that you find that you could use that kind of presence? I'd just like to put that question out there for you. Okay, so back to the horses. I want to tell you about my meditation experiences with Silver. Silver is 35 years old. That's pretty old for a horse. He's kind of weak in the legs. He won't go down to lie down uh, because he knows at this point that he may not be able to get up. Horses typically only lie down for a few hours before their organs begin to weigh on their lungs and their circulation in their legs can be slowed, especially if they're old or if it's cold and they need to get up so that their bodies can function. So apparently he waits in the winter at times about three weeks until he lies down because it's very hard in the winter for his legs to have enough strength. And it just so happened that the second day, the day that we first started meditating together, he had gone down to lie down and in the morning he couldn't get up. He had gotten his legs caught up in the fence that he was right next to, 
and he couldn't maneuver himself with enough strength to get out of that position and up again. So Sarah said that she had to drag him away from the fence. She pulled on his neck and moved his legs. And after a while, he got enough gusto and strength to lift himself up onto his legs. And he was in kind of a squat position, as she told it to me, his legs shaking. She didn't know if he would make it up or down. And he ingeniously bounced off the fence that was right next to him and then pushed himself to stand up. And after that, (laughs) he shook for a little while. And then she said that he just went on his way like, yeah, that was nothing. And when I woke up, I didn't even hear a thing. Apparently, this happened right outside my window. I had my earplugs in and I was just hard asleep. So this all happened before I woke up. And by then, Silver was doing fine. It didn't phase him. And so I brought him up to this smaller arena up on top of this hill where there are lots of trees and bushes, plant life in this um, small space that's fenced in. And here he could be free and at liberty, like within the confines of this space, of course. The space that Sarah has created where they can be much more at liberty within like two or three acres wasn't quite ready yet. So we had to use this little smaller space. So here I began to meditate in the corner on the rock and I was practicing this meditation that Sarah had offered me and it was a beautiful meditation of breathing into the space inside of me and breathing out into the space around me and picturing that as I was inhaling and exhaling and becoming one with my surroundings but as I was doing that, I felt kind of stressed. I felt like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to be doing this. And as soon as I switched to a Vedic meditation, it's a bija mantra. So it's a sound meditation, but instead of saying it out loud or making the sound, I do it very quietly and very subtly inside of myself. It's a meditation that I do often. It's, it's the same as transcendental meditation. And as soon as I started doing that about Five minutes later, the horse instantly came over to me. It was instant. It's like I dropped in and there he was. Where previously he was nibbling on the plants and moseying around, now he's, his head is right next to my head and his body is facing me. And we're meditating together. The stillness of us being together at first alternated with him rubbing my back and my side body with his head, like really vigorously rubbing up and down and up and down. And he was just giving me so much affection. (laughs) I almost got knocked off the rock. So I had to put my feet down and really ground myself. And I gave him a few scratches and rubs. He seemed to like those. And then we got really quiet and deep into being in the presence with each other. I could hear his breath. Mine wasn't quite syncing up, but I could feel that we were both in sync with ourselves. And his head dropped, which signifies he's relaxed, my neck released. 
And I was just very aware of him being next to me and how much support and strength and resource that was giving me. And it seemed that I was also giving that to him. So by the end of it, I just felt really clear and uh, was fascinated with how quickly he felt that inner shift in, in my body where my mind went to this deep meditative place. And even though I wasn't that deep in it to start with, he felt the shift and came right over. So it's amazing. That's happening on all levels with animals, especially because they're so receptive. It's happening with babies because they're extremely receptive, whether they're in utero or out and with each other. But I think that because our minds are so busy, because our outer world is so chaotic at times, and our inner world is so chaotic, that we aren't really hearing each other. We aren't really connected with that subtle level of how we are communicating with each other. But it's happening. So think about that. Like, what are you sending out? When you put your mind and attention to something, and is your mind and attention just totally scattered and out in the middle of nowhere, lost and wafting around, or is it focused on something? And when we put our focus to something, when we be with ourselves fully, what happens? So, day two with meditating with silver was really interesting because. We didn't make it all the way up to the space. And that's because I took him the wrong way up the hill. And with his legs, we were just, it was a rough walk across some bigger rocks. And it just wasn't a clear pathway. And by the time we got pretty much up there, he had managed to turn around facing down the hill instead of up towards the small arena. And I couldn't get him to turn around comfortably. So I decided to go all the way down the way that we should have come up. And by the time he got down there, he was unwilling to go back up. He just wouldn't budge. And there was something in me that just felt like, I'm not going to force him. Like he's telling me no. And it was my fault. I took him the wrong way. And that was enough of a walk for him. So I listened to that and it felt good too. And so we walked back to close to where his living space is. And instead of going back in there with the other horses, we stayed right outside of it. So this is just in the open space. And now we're just standing in the middle of it. And I'm feeling like what? Okay, I just adapted and flowed with it. Maybe that's part of my lesson. And what can we do now? And Sarah was nowhere to be found. And I thought I called her a couple of times just by shouting her name, but I had no idea where she was. She had given me the space to just meditate with Silver by myself. And so <laughs> we just stood there and I thought, well, we're going to meditate right here. And I, I did have um, a halter on Silver and a, a rope attached to that but I wanted him to be free enough to move around or to tell me if he wanted to go another into another space. 
And so the rope was loose and he didn't, he didn't move. We just stayed there. And as I meditated, he just meditated with me. He was still, he was relaxed. We completely stayed still for about 30 minutes. He didn't even move to like shake off a a fly or to stomp his feet to get the ants off of his ankles. We just were together. And in that meditation, I remembered some words from the Abundance book from John Randolph. It's this small book that shows you how to manifest abundance. And there are these words that I got from him, but I might, I definitely have adapted them. And the words that came in that moment were that the reality of abundance exists as me. The reality of abundance expresses itself as me. And I kept feeling those words and feeling my energy grow stronger and stronger, feeling my sense of my body expanding. And I could feel silver next to me, and we just were there together. And part of my task with silver this time, as Sarah had given to me, was to connect with what I needed to work on that day. We were going to be doing a constellation with horses for me that day. And she wanted me to get clear on my intention. So I asked, what do I need to work on? And just waited and received. And the words I got were, I doubt myself. I doubt that I can make an impact. And the interesting thing is in that moment, I clearly was making an impact with Silver. As I was just being and going deep in myself, he was right with me. He did not want to leave. So can I make an impact? I fear I can't make an impact sometimes. And that also connects with money fears. How am I going to make enough? Am I going to have enough? And doubting that I have enough. Doubting I am enough. And those fears really don't have much of a reality. I've never not had enough. Even if I thought I didn't, it was fine. And I know I have an impact, and yet these fears come up. I'm sure I could have a different impact or larger impact at times, but I do feel my impact is enough at the core. And these little fears can get in the way of me taking my next step. So within this meditation, I received this information and that informed the constellation that happened later, which I'll tell you about in just a moment, but want to talk about the third day of Meditation with Silver, where we did make it up to the arena. I went the right way. He didn't fight me on it. He also knew the way. And that just goes back to that second day when I led him up the wrong way. I did feel him object and stop. But when I invited him to go forward, he did into the wrong pathway. So he was telling me, this is not the right way. Like, this is not the way I go. So day three, we did go the right way. We got up there and he started off by nibbling the plants. And I was sitting in meditation, feeling myself, feeling my breath, going into my mantra. 
And within about five minutes, he came towards me, just like the first day, but um, there wasn't a sharp shift in my energy. Just He just wanted to come over, I guess. And he did that rubbing again. He just rubbed his head onto my body, onto my back. And he did it so strongly. It was like, oh my gosh, like you're so strong. And I remembered that the night before, I actually had gone outside in the middle of the night because I worried that he had gone down again. And I brought my flashlight out there and looked around and it wasn't him. It was Jackie. It was another horse that was putting her butt up to the fence and scratching her butt against, against it. And that was the commotion I was hearing. So it wasn't silver falling to the ground or something, which, um, I just, wanted to know if it was him. And I had remembered that. And with his strength, his head being so strong, it was clear to me how strong he was. Even though his legs were going weaker, he was telling me, I'm still really strong and I'm right here. And his head and mind is so clear. I feel his clarity. I feel how with it and present he is. And it reminded me of my great-grandmother, who I lived with growing up. I call her a wak-wak. She's someone who I feel saved my life. She saw me when I was younger in times where I'd experienced some really hard family experiences and uh, continual trauma that I didn't even know was happening but was surviving through. She was there and saw me with such great presence. She lived until she was 96, but even then she was super strong in her mind and aware. Her legs were giving out. She would stand to do the dishes at the sink and insist upon doing them, but she would lean against her forearms and do, you know, her two dishes that she had uh, saved up. And eventually she got these giant purple bruises on her arms but she still insisted on doing it. She wouldn't let anyone else do it. So here in this moment when Silver's rubbing my back, I felt, oh my gosh, you are the energy of my great-grandma. She's speaking through you. And I hear you. I hear both of you. And I heard this message that there's nothing to worry about. Don't worry about me. I'm so strong, which is the way I saw my grandmother. And eventually we were just breathing and connecting and I was hearing the world through him, hearing through his ears, hearing all the different sounds, the birds, the wind, the leaves rustling, the crack of something moving on the ground and just being. I felt the wisdom of his presence and it reminded me of my wisdom of the knowing that I've had before. And suddenly I thought to ask him, have we known each other in a past life? Have we known each other before? And the feeling I got was, yes, you've known me. We have been together before. And I'm here to show you love and that you love being with elders because they're so wise. You love being with me. I am wise. And his message for me for the rest of my experience in this mentorship was to play. 
play and be with us. There's nothing to learn exactly. Don't try to learn, even though you will learn. But be with us. Enjoy us. Be in your pleasure with us. We're here. Play and have fun. And make noise like Jackie. Jackie's that horse that was scratching her butt against the fence. And she uh, has this other horse, Mayhe, that... I love Mehi too. She comes near Jackie and tries to be her friend and tries to get close to her. But Jackie just doesn't want her to be near her. And so she'll lift up her hind leg to show her, like, I'm going to kick you if you come any closer. And then she'll screech like this. (coughs) And she'll tell Mehi, like, back off. No, don't come near me. (laughs) So the message I was getting from Silver was, make noise like Jackie. Say no like Jackie. But go for it like Mayhi. Get fierce like Mayhi and be sensual like Mayhi. And be wise like me. Be wise like me. So in this moment, I just started crying and I I felt that we knew each other. I felt that I did want to be doing this with horses. I wanted to meditate with them more often. I want to be in enjoyment with them, not demand of them. I do still want to be riding, but all of that is to build the relationship for better riding experiences together. And so as we concluded this meditation and I walked down back to the main space with him, Sarah looked at us and said, wow, you two look like your old friends. And it was just exactly right. Like we were, we were old friends. It was beautiful. And I feel him with me now still, just like I feel my great grandma with me. And I can see his strength. And I can see it wasn't helpful that I was worrying about him. And he wanted me to feel into his strength and know his strength. So the last hours of my experience with the horses. We danced with the horses again. Um, This was my second or third time dancing with the horses, dancing with Corazon, who's a Mustang. And I'll add some pictures of all this into the show notes. And you can find that at CandiceWu.com slash Dancing with Horses. So you can see what that looks like. And some pictures of Sarah as well, because she showed me how she dances with Diva. Diva is this massive horse. She's black, and I think she's a draft horse. She just looks like half elephant to me. And her head is as big as my torso and head combined. And when I stand next to her, like her butt, she's still about six inches taller than me. I'm five foot two. She's huge. Biggest horse I've seen. And I'm sure there are bigger horses out there, but um, she and Sarah dance together like they're they're just dance partners. She'll swing her head up and down. She'll run with her. She'll just lift her front legs up like she's bucking right when Sarah does it and they do it together. And she'll also, uh, apparently she'll like get on her front legs and kick her back legs out. I didn't get to see that though, but uh, it was amazing. And my ability to do that was not as great. I'm just learning and I'm just tuning into the energy and connecting. For me, it felt like 
I needed to take more time with these horses to develop that relationship with them and to feel into how I can use my energy to invite them and to um, to play with them in that way. So I was doing it a little bit, but I was just letting myself be satisfied with what what the outcome was because I didn't want to expect or put too much pressure. So thank you so much for listening to my stories about dancing and meditating with horses and being with them. There's a whole other component of healing work with horses, being with horses and allowing the experience to be seen and healing that I haven't talked about here. And I'd like to talk about that on the next episode. So I'll do that in a separate episode where I talk about horse constellations. And you can find that episode when it comes out at candicewoo.com slash horse constellations. But the brief thing I'll say about it now is that whenever I was with myself fully in the exact emotion that was present with me right then and there, and not reaching out into the world, but just being in the space, the horses would come to me. They would be with me. And that was beautiful. And there was so much support there. And I have this experience of um, the constellation that I did with the horses, as well as just being in the space and experiencing my body somatically, where the horses interacted with me in, oh my gosh, the most magical way, where it was just right for my next step and where the energy needed to go. So I can't wait to share that with you in the next podcast. As you probably know, I have interviews with guests every other week. So either this podcast will go out later this week or it will go out in two weeks. So look out for that. So I want to just leave with a few little messages that I'm receiving from the horses and a poem that I wrote about silver and our meditation. So some of the messages are that all things are speaking to us. Everything around us is speaking to us. And there's some message, whether that's from people, animals, the rock, the pillow, things, objects, all of that speaking to us and has something to show us. And when you encounter people that are giving you some idea or message or thought, even advice that you don't think you want to hear, there might be something there for you. There might be something, a little nugget of something. The other thought I have from horses is that it's enough. I'm enough. You are enough. It's all enough. And that as we arrive in that, we can truly feel and be in that space of being enough. So here is the poem that I wrote about Silver that I eventually want to create into a song. It's very unpolished. It's just pieces put together. And at some point, I'll work with it a little more. Silver, you watched me cry, the big ocean and river. You watched no matter why. You showed me how to breathe as you. Hear the wind through your ears. Be the energy of your heart. The wisdom of your years. Silver, you tell me. Gray horse, you show me. 
While your legs are weak and almost giving out, you remind me of your strength with three rubs of your snout. You say, say no, I don't wanna, with a screech like Jackie. Get a little go for it the way that Mayhe does. You cannot go wrong as long as you are you and no one else. I break into the fullness and finally hear you. You have been an old friend. I briefly forgot you, but this is not the only end. Silver, O oh horse of the land, you tell your tale to me. I learn to listen. I become the you in me, O oh silver. All is enough, and enough is enough. This is all, all enough. So thank you, Silver. Thank you, Mayhi and Jackie and all the horses, Diva, Corzon, Ruby, and Pretty Boy. And thank you to Sarah, nature, and the space that held me there, the wind, the air, the mountains, the land, the rocks, the water. I'm holding all of that in gratitude and also thanking you for receiving my story, my experience, and the little tidbits that I've been thinking about in the aftermath. And I hope that you find the thing that makes you feel connected with yourself. I hope you reconnect with those experiences that have brought you to the feeling of, wow, this is really me. And someday I will have a space where you can come and join me and meditate with me and the horses, do horse constellations and have somatic experiencing healing sessions, witness the horses, maybe have tea with them while witnessing them, breathing with them. That's my next dream. I'm also recognizing that collaborating is really important around this and receiving other people's ideas. So if this gives you any ideas for yourself or for me about being with horses, dancing, meditating, having space and sharing space with horses, I would love to hear from you. If you know of people that are doing that and collaborating, communicating with horses in a beautiful way or showing people how to have experiences, offering those experiences, I'd love to know what you know. Feel free to contact me. You can find me at candacewu.com slash connect. And if you'd like to stay in touch with my journey and what arises from all this and what continues on, you can always stay closely connected with me through the newsletter that I put out every two weeks. And you can find that at candacewu.com slash embody. Sending my love and gratitude to all of you and the knowing that all is enough. You are enough. We are enough. So whatever it is in your life that you are not worried you're enough for or 
if you just have that lingering fear you're not enough find yourself find the enoughness that exists here breathe in this message breathe in this moment and feel the enoughness of just being alive here and cultivate those ways that connect you with this feeling that you are enough thanks for joining me and see you next time on the embody podcast